and welcome to What Do You Like with Maria. Hello, this is Hunter, and we have our special guest, our first returning guest, Mitch. Hello. Oh, it's so exciting. Uh, we talked about this when Mitch was here last, because we kind of talked about how Mitch it was a drag queen, slash is a drag queen. Takes Trinity in and out of service every once in a while. Every now and again, she'll pop back out. But it, we did discuss and we were like, we, this should be another episode because drag is performance, but it is not the same as theater necessarily. Mm-hmm. And this could definitely be delved further into. And uh, it could be a whole episode unto itself. So I think we'll get like the quick synopsis out of the way by saying um, what drag is and you can elaborate on this now uh, at any time Mitch just let us know okay I feel so I, I'm like so border just like right on the edge of like knowing about it anyway knowing what it's about um, but drag is basically opposite gender impersonation I was trying to like get an idea that sort of encompassed everything and so it's mainly the big thing that people recognize as drag queens, female impersonators. Uh, there's also drag kings. There's also assigned female at birth drag queens who are women who dress in the drag style. I don't know if there's the opposite of that, but... There definitely is. Yeah. Tell us. I would, I would say that uh, drag as a whole, as like very simple terms, is just an art form of dressing up into a character. The character doesn't necessarily have to have a gender, but like like you said, it could be a female dressing as female, it could be female dressing as male, male dressed as male, male dressed as female, trans person as a non-binary. Like, it's more about the art than it is the gender, per se. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And you can switch that at any time. And I think, we'll bring this up a lot, but there's the show RuPaul's Drag Race, and the one phrase that always pops into my head and sort of like the derivative of it is when uh, one of the contestants on their exit was just like, y'all know you're dudes, right? (laughs) I understand that they were doing it as kind of like being shady or being like jokingly mean or whatever, but it has changed. It was that and it's changed so much now as we learn more about gender identity and doing more than that. And drag has sort of become a complete separate art form to just ex- it can almost start with learning about your gender identity, playing with it, experimenting and then elevating to a different style altogether. Absolutely. There's a whole, you know, dictionary of terms uh, when it comes to drag and the drag community, you know, with drag queens, the one that I feel like is not used so much anymore is like fishy, which is like saying that you pass really well as a woman. I would say it's used still, but it's not in the term of like, of like my drag. Well, maybe it is. I would say that it depends on the drag queen and how they want to be presented, right? Right. So, like, I could be, like, a gender-neutral queen, and then one day I could dress more fishy. As, like, more female-presenting than, like, queen-like. Because drag queens are more, like, a... They're more theatrical with their makeup and their 
bigger and better. Yes. But like, take that down a little bit. It's more fifty. It's more feminine. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It is something that I really love watching. Like any drag performer is just how extra they are. It 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 changes it from being this is a guy wearing a dress to this is a outfit. Like this is a look of that is just so out of the box and so like I could I never would have thought of wearing something that way I think uh, an example of this was uh, the drag queen Simone for her finale look of the of RuPaul's Drag Race wore like a dress which was short in the skirt but her sleeves were so long that when she brought her like arms together it looked like she had a, a ball gown on in denim I I was like I that is such an incredible idea. You know, never would have would wear it, but it is just so different. Yes, the artistry is so unique. And I think that's what draws me to drag so much is the amount of like artistry that it takes to create these looks and like put them together in your head and, and execute them on a sewing machine it takes so much talent. Yeah. That yeah. a lot of people don't have the capacity to do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it is building a person from the ground up saying, okay, this is who they are. How do they present themselves? What do they wear? Yes. All of that yeah. stuff is so difficult to do. And, like, I barely touched on some of this in theater. And even at that point, it's like, man, I did not have any range. So seeing a drag queen or someone in drag going through and being totally different is wild. It's so, so cool to see somebody who's even moderately good at what they're doing <laughs> pulling that off. Like, the people who are incredible, it is definitely, that's a different kettle of fish. But even someone who's, I, I hesitate to say okay, but like mid-level has spent time but maybe isn't fully there. But even in that, you can see oh, I see where you're going with this. This works. Yeah. I think I even just like getting up on that stage and putting on a bodysuit and a wig in and of itself is such like a form of expression. And yeah. starting that out and, and creating that character, even taking years to do it is such a commitment yes. on one character. Whereas like with theater, it's, you do it for a couple months, you do four shows, and then it's done. Yeah. This is like a lifelong commitment for some people. Yeah. And I do feel like you almost have a melding of that per of some with some people that have done it for a long time. There's almost like a melding of the two because a portion of their personality is in this character, obviously. Like it is them. And that is when, you know, the whole idea of gender plays because it's like if you are this. If this is you and you are a cisgendered man, but you have this female character that has become you, like what is your gender then? And I do feel like that's why, you know, you see quite a few queens or kings, you know, who come out and they're like, I am trans. That in that and being a trans drag king or drag queen is also, in my opinion, completely normal because drag has changed so much and how you're it's no longer just can you look like your opposite gender it's be you are an artist this is artistry at this point yeah, yeah. I, think I think that, that for a lot, lot of drag, drag queens, queens 
Creating that character opens up a lot of doors in the trans community. But I think that it's, it's a slippery slope when it comes to the definition of being trans and the definition of being a drag queen. Because I would say that someone who's a drag queen isn't always necessarily transgender. Yes. They transform into a different character, but it's it's exactly what it sounds. It's a character. Yeah. Whereas a trans person is like genuinely like transitioning their gender. That's who they are. Like yeah. they're, it's not they're not playing a character. And I think that is definitely a really important thing to be cognizant of because that is like no, if if you're trans, this is who you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that like. When going into, like, drag, like, for me, for example, I knew I was trans when I started drag. Right. And I am a trans female to male. So going from creating my character, I was like, what do I want this character to be? And I didn't want it to be, like, Mitch. I wanted it to be, like, Trinity. So I had to figure out... Uh, if I wanted her to be more feminine or if I wanted her to be more neutral to kind of counteract that. And I think that's a huge thing that a lot of drag queens go through of like, am I just portraying me or am I portraying my drag queen self and kind of like figuring that out. But a lot of drag queens who are born male are like, no, I'm a dude, but this is just me. Yeah. This is fun. Like, I just enjoy doing this. I am supremely confident in who I am, and also this is part of it. Yeah. Yes. I think there is a scale, though. Like like you said, it opens the door for some people, and then for others, and then for others, it almost solidifies, you know, who they are and how they're separate from this character they perform as. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I have, I have a ton of uh, drag queen friends who came out seven, eight, or ten years after they started doing drag. Right. Since we've been kind of on the top, you kind of brought it up with Trinity. Like, can you give us, like, a synopsis or an in-depth discussion, if it's short, the how Trinity came to be, what she's like, you know, what, what her personality is like? We've discussed how you are Trinity, but I've never, we never talked about who Trinity is. Yeah. I think Trinity is, is very much like a like a glam queen. She loves dresses. She's blonde. She is very. I would say she's she is on the on the fishy spectrum because I do use a lot of my feminine qualities to present with Trinity. She's a theater queen. She does a lot of theater music, uh, which helps with my theater in general, which is great. Yep. She works a lot with charity work. We do a lot of charity work with her. We go to high schools and middle schools, and we do a lot of uh, LGBT talks and stuff. So I don't do as many shows now as I do, like, talks, which is great. To use that outlet as, like, a, as a way to open people's eyes and kind of make people see that uh, in a different light. It's fantastic. That is really cool. I don't really know. I mean, I think a lot of what Trinity is is just like a, an extension of me in a way, which is, of course, like I said, not, not true for everybody, but I think that Trinity really is just like me, but prettier.
I, it's just an excuse for me to wear dresses and wigs and, and put makeup on and feel pretty. And it's my way to express my transness and spread awareness. Exactly. I like to think she's kind and caring and she just loves to sing songs and, um, and go to shows, which is yeah. great. And yeah. how did your start of doing drag, how did that happen? So, um, 18 years old, I had come out as trans, female to male, and there was a little bit of a hiccup in the family when it came to acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know too much on the topic because I, I would say I had a fairly sheltered upbringing. Yep. So I did the one thing that anyone would do when they're looking for knowledge is I, I went to a club. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I saw a drag queen on stage and I was like, what is that? And I made a couple friends with some of the queens and I was like, well, I love performing. And they were like, you totally should try. And so I did. And I did one of my first shows and they loved it. And I was like, okay, I think this is how I'm going to start kind of making money. It was almost like my first job. Right. And so I would make a couple bucks here and there. And then I just started doing it five days a week and buying wigs and, and new outfits and trying on different, doing songs. And it became kind of like my job. And then I started getting booked for gigs, which I was obsessed with. So I started doing those. Yeah. And I've been doing it now for almost, almost seven years. Yeah. Yeah, just doing on and off shows while I'm traveling and being able to perform in Boston and Providence. Um, and every now and again, I'll go into Connecticut and I'll do a competition or two, which are so fun. If you have the opportunity to go see a drag competition, they are cutthroat and they are fantastic. Sorry, are they like pageants? Um, kind of. So some drag shows uh, are more of the pageant style where they have different looks and they lip sync to different numbers. And then there's just like a drag competition where you go out, you lip sync to a song, people can vote on who they liked more, and then you do one more song and you get judged on it by a judge. So it's less of pageantry and more of like performance. Right. Right. Inhabiting the stage showing this is the song you're singing, going through all of that. Yeah, coming up with the concepts and the props and making sure you know the words and right. creating the wigs and the clothes and the outfits and stuff like that. Wearing clothes that represent who you are as you're on stage. Yes, yeah. yeah. The character you're, you're creating or the person you want to promote or... Exactly. Things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having it be cohesive with your number in some form. Right. And is like the judging, because, you know, one of the things that drag is known for is having like the backhanded compliment down to another, uh, an additional art form where it's not just, it's not an insult. It's, it's almost like it's a, a joking way of like, just, you know, beating the ever loving crap out of each other verbally. <laughs> the read, honey. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely part of uh, the judgment for the audience. Mostly, we love each other, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely part of it. I guess uh, to some some bit of background, like with how I consume drag culture, is there's a show you might have heard of it. 
It's kind of a big deal. What's it on season 16 now or will be after the writer's strike? I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's called RuPaul's Drag Race. It is hosted by the mother of drag and many, many queens, RuPaul, one of the biggest name in drag. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I think I'm, I'm sure that one or two people may have surpassed her, but no, I, I think she is the mother. Yes, she is mother. And so when I was working like the overnight shifts, this was around the time I just, I don't know, I think I saw it on uh, the late, late night with John Oliver where he kept making, kept bringing up RuPaul and he kept saying, make America fierce again. Why not RuPaul be president? And I was like, who is RuPaul? So I looked it up and I started watching it on my, on Fridays when I would come home from work in the morning. And it was literally like, I was always, when I worked overnights, I was always so tired. Like it did not, I did not agree with me, but my happy spot, the thing I would do to like, you know, kind of decompress was watch RuPaul's Drag Race on Friday mornings. (laughs) And it was just a little... A little bit of reality TV performance, amazing outfits, and it made and it was like that special kind of like, I'm okay, you know, like this is nice. This is this makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a huge thing in drag, uh, drag and gay culture is drag race nights. We all go out to the bar and we have a couple drinks and we all watch it together. It's a huge form of like bonding for the gay community we go to the clubs and like they have it on a big screen and we all watch it together it is such an interesting show because i'm not usually a fan of reality television i'm like the bachelor survivor even though i know everyone's playing up a a character they make on the show i don't like it and I like drag race because when you're doing drag you're doing a character and they these people are all playing characters on for the camera and it feels way more like they're in on the joke than other shows do yeah and they are like yeah yeah, it's a everyone is doing a performance like like making people do things that they are uncomfortable with or something for the enjoyment of others as much as it's everyone has agreed this is a show. Yeah. Let's make some TV. Yeah. Let's make some drama. I think the biggest example of this is probably Katya. Yes. Because she is not Russian. She is a complete character. A lot of the things that she does in her life are not what Katya does, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> so I think that that is probably the best example of like character art that you could find with Katya. And it is immaculate it is an incredible piece of art that she creates and um that she's made an empire out of which is incredible i I think that's like another part that i like because if you're shrewd enough um you are able you might be like go home night one you could start selling merch you can go on tour you can turn this into a very profitable career yeah even like yeah. after going home like night one, night two. Mm-hmm. I've had about maybe four or five friends at this point who have been on RuPaul's Drag Race and they are going to drag con and booking gigs like crazy, selling merch, music videos, you know, the whole nine. And like 
no matter how early you leave, you will have a fan base by the time you're done. Yeah. You will be able to do more shows and, and create more of a fan base. And I think that's a great outlet to be able to do that with and, and present drag in a palatable way that like maybe you wouldn't necessarily go to a club, you know, like mm-hmm. you said. You get out of work and you watch it and it's accessible. It is so interesting just to see all of the different takes on the art form. Because you have some queens who are very much like, they're perform, like not, they're all performers, but more like they're, they like to do comedy. They don't necessarily look like as glamorous as some. Yeah. And then you have some who are just like, absolutely, hands down stunning. And I also like one of the things I watch now is the recap that the Drag Race production company will release. And I like that for the most part, they try to say something nice about every single person's outfit, every single contestant. And they will be like, the outfit doesn't look great, but you know, she worked it and her makeup is awesome. She looks fierce or something like that. Yes uplifting for sure it like what you said where everyone is like kind of playfully giving each other mean comments and then at the end of the day you're all sisters for sure i think some of the the nicest and most fierce competitors and queens that i've ever met have been horror queens yeah you cannot beat a good like a good horror queen it is impossible you might as well quit because they do their job and they do it well and i think it's very underrated because when you think of drag queen you think of like a glamour queen or someone with big hair and like gorgeous gowns whereas like these artists are doing so much work and getting such little credit mm-hmm. and i think something kind of bringing that to light is the uh the twin sisters. Boulet brothers. Uh, yes, the, the Boulet brothers doing was, um Yeah, I love their show. love that show. Obsessed with that show. It is so good. Quick dumb question. Sure. Horror sure. Queen is drag but with a horror focus, just to make sure that I'm understanding. Yeah, yeah. So it's like they won't be like a gender. They'll be probably more like a creature or ah, okay. they'll do like outlandish things. So like I have a drag queen friend named Zane X who dresses like the devil or dresses like a lizard and goes on stage and has like wax fingers and then lights their fingers on fire as cool. like candles. Oh yeah. Or will like okay. staple ham to his head for no reason. Yeah. You know, like weird outlandish shocking things that like put them in danger and they don't do as well 99.9% of the time as like a glamour queen who comes out in a pretty gown and stands there you know so it's like putting that into light and perspective with the Boulet brothers has been such a, uh, a twist with drag it's just been such a, a, a good light to be able to have that outlet and show people the different side of drag yes. as, as much as uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, you know. Yeah, I freaking love Dragula. That, so it's the full title is Boulet Brothers Dragula. It's on season five now. 
They just announced the next cast. I'm very excited. It's coming out. The premiere is on the 31st. I'm very excited. <laughs> but they're definitely more fringe drag. And I do remember seeing like the first season that I think they released it free on YouTube. And I was in love because just because it was so out like straight up like people dressing up as monsters but it was a female you know it was a female monster kind of you know and it was very like um one of my i do like one of the outfits uh all the outfits uh victoria elizabeth black did in her season i really liked pregnant alien that they critiqued for not being drag enough i was like this is incredible it's such a horrible like critique like yeah, what do you mean it's not drag enough what is drag there's not supposed to be any boundaries you know yeah. so something like that where there i've gotten the comment before of me like if i didn't wear hip pads or i wasn't wearing seven pairs of tights they're like it's not drag enough for me and i'm like oh get over yourself it it <laughs> almost feels like a you are really great and I'd give you more marks, but there's someone else I just like more and I can't explain why. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's every community has that gatekeeperness, And from the outside, at least, it seems like the drag community has a bit less of that. Asterisk, I am not an expert on this. I barely know anything about it. Also, I'm coming from a background of, I played a lot of magic and that's horrendous with gatekeeperness. I mean, there definitely, it, it depends on the community. Mm -hmm. If you get lucky, then heck yeah. But at least in the communities that I've worked in, there's been, I mean, girls get shady. They get real gatekeepy. You get on the top and you want to stay there and you don't want True. other people to take your jobs or your gigs and they fight for them. Yeah. It does sound very cutthroat. Yeah. And I think like an issue with this was as more queens come out as trans in the beginning when it was like one or two, you know, not every so often would be like, I'm a trans woman. A lot of people were like, oh, you're just trying to like look more feminine. You're cheating. Mm. And it's so ridiculous to say it now. But if you put it in the light of the people who are, you know, the best of the best who might think this are just worried about their jobs. If someone who claims to be a drag queen who who is trans female might look more feminine than them. And I also think that when this was happening, the definition of drag was not quite so all-encompassing and quite so separate from gender. I think... Drag in itself is very separate from gender. I think that my gender has nothing to do with my drag because, like, I don't identify as a woman in any way, but yet my my drag queen persona is very female. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people, like, I have a, a gender-neutral friend who does horror drag and doesn't have a gender to uh, their characters, but sometimes they'll wear dresses. I think it's very, like... Your character is so separate from you, and yet it is you. It's very, like, it's confusing yes. because it's so individual. It's hard to draw those lines to say this is the end of it. Even from my very limited experience in acting, every once in a while, if you get asked a question like, how does your character react to this? If you aren't thinking about it, your default is, this is how I would react. 
and drawing that line, especially in something like drag, where you're doing this seven or eight year process of building all of that up, that line, you either have to draw it really cleanly and be very, very good at switching, or you have to roll with what you're doing and be like, first thought is this. Okay, well now I'm going to adjust that slightly. Adjusting your drag when yeah. you made yourself prominent is near impossible. Yeah. And I've seen it in like Trixie Mattel and, and things like that where it evolves. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it's, it's well received. But if you change it, I mean, you have to be subject to people not liking it very much. Right. Yep. Chi Chi Devane didn't, I, I don't know how much she planned this when she was on the show, but she had definitely come in with this whole like comedy queen aesthetic or idea. And then she tried to rebrand herself as glamorous. And it was just, and I mean, if she showed this incredible outfit when she was saying, you know, this is part of my new me, but for, well, like thinking back on it now, it's like, that must've been so much planning because you brought the dress, you brought like, you had this idea. And to like bring it up and just basically put it on TV and go, I hope you like this. <laughs> it's a ballsy move. Yeah, it's very ballsy. <laughs> yeah. Because if it's not well received, then it's you're done. That's it. Yeah. And I, I don't remember, you know, how it was received. I just know that Chi Chi died from like health complications a couple years ago. So yeah, that was yeah. very sad. It was. We were, we were all pretty upset yes but i always yeah. liked her drag i did yes i did too she was yeah. gorgeous i don't know if i could ever go on drag race though i don't think i could do that i think that it's the, a lot it, i think so i i you know because i read the reddit threads and someone's asked a question of who's a queen that does drag amazingly but is not a reality tv queen and I was like, there, that's a good way of putting it, where it's like, if you looked at every single one of those queens who comes on stage, when they do drag outside of the show, they're probably incredible. Like, these are the best of the best. And then some of them just completely, you know, kind of whiff, because reality TV is such a different kind of performance Oh yeah. to, like, going on stage I feel like a drag uh, when you're just doing performance, you know, at a gig, everyone has their point, their moment, and where you get to be like, "Look at me! Look at how amazing I am!" And then on reality TV, even when you're you're doing like your the fashion show, you know, everyone's looking at the outfits. It is still fighting for the spotlight the entire time. Absolutely, which is a battle in and of itself. Yes. I'm sure. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But I, I've, I've spoken to a lot of my friends who have been on the show, and I think the editing, of course, as mm -hmm. any reality show, has a lot to do with it. Because right. a lot of these people are, are some of the nicest people I've ever met, but they get created to be these horrible people or, or have these moments where they say something and it gets twisted. And I think that's a huge thing that a lot of people overlook in in drag race or or moments like this where they're whatever they've created or or come upon has just been twisted and and put in a wrong way and i think a lot of people are like i'm not gonna go on that because i don't want that level of fame i don't need the risk of being twisted around into the yeah. horrible person you know yeah it's not worth it 
I don't need several million people just critiquing my every move, even if they don't necessarily mean it maliciously. That's still a lot. It's a lot. Kind of looping back to editing, because I, I edit this podcast. I am always super aware of how much power I have to make people say something not what they meant or slightly different than what they actually said. Mm-hmm. I will fully admit I'm not a great editor as you can tell from our sound quality. (laughs) But even with that, you can do a lot. To kind of also circle back to Dragula, like one of the things, because they came out, they started, they premiered later. By this point, representation of different types of drag, because it was such a small show compared to like RuPaul's Drag Race, they had every type of drag, tangentially horror related. So you had like, assigned female at birth drag queens you had straight men as drag queens you had drag kings like you have non-binary you had trans people every type of person who could do drag was put on was brought on this show is brought on the show and i really thought that was cool yeah dragula was created to counteract rupaul's drag race because one of the big things that rupaul got kind of iffy for was he believed it was just men dressing as women because he's a little bit older sorry Paul don't kill me that's the original definition of drag which is fine but there were people out there who wanted to audition for drag race that were a little more horror and less glam or were trans men or trans women that that couldn't get on the show so the Boulay brothers were like we are going to not only open up this world to a different form of drag but we're gonna let anybody in because drag is whatever it wants to be and that's what drew people to the show was being able to create this different environment than what rupaul's is yeah like i do love the horror aspect of it it is very much like fringe drag especially with like the tenets of filth horror and glamour which is how they do their final floor show is all the, the, the three or four finalists have to create each of those tenants. And it is sometimes where it's just like, oh, this is right on the border of okay. Yeah. <laughs> and usually yeah. they love it. And I, I really like it too. I'm just like, normal circles, this would be so not accepted. <laughs> <And> it's <laughs> What a slippery slope to walk. And that's a huge part with art, is a lot of art should be pushing boundaries in certain ways. Like, I'll fully admit that that's something that I'm not very good at with a lot of my art. And if you're, if you have no reaction to a piece of art, that's not good. Yeah. Uh I say it with theater and I'll say it with drag. I think that like, some of my best numbers that I've ever done were numbers that I made no money, were numbers that wasn't received well but there were ones that like were out of the box and they were a little weird and they were different and yeah yeah. it makes people shy away but i had such a blast there was a number once where i put on this like raunchy sexy song and i dumped a gallon of mayo on my head (laughs) yes that's amazing I made no money. No one would go near me, and there were literal gasps 
and ewes from the audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I lost the competition. No. But I had, it was the best. It was so fun. And people still talk about it. I still, I like got a tweet the other day. It was like, remember that one drag queen that poured mayo on themselves? And I was like, yeah. Maybe not my best choice, but it was fun. <laughs> I stand by my decision. I am so happy that you did that. That makes me so happy. I don't even think I even have a video of it because people were so disgusted that they didn't even record. Like, they, I lost last place. Yeah. But it was fantastic. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's kind of like um, Melissa B. Fierce in Dragula season one. Their filth performance did you see season one yes i think i know what you're talking about i am a horrible with drag race and dragula i am a queen that doesn't watch it very much Mm -hmm. it's one for me like when the boulets were talking about it afterwards we'll jump to jump to later in the podcast if you don't want to like here because it is kind of gross but i i freaking love it so melissa v fierce for her filth look was dressed as a nun blurred out like the section but basically it was wearing stockings and a wimble a wimple and heels and nothing else mm-hmm. and was basically using the and ripping out pages of the bible and putting the bible like down towards the you know crotch area and it was like i was like oh my god this that was the moment for me i was like Okay, this is something different, and I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was so out of left field. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's a performance that a friend of mine performs where she dressed up as, like, a humanoid pig and had a pig nose on. And, like, none of the things made any sense. She ate and drank some, like, green goo and then forced herself to throw it up into, like, a baby pool. And that was the whole performance. Ta-da! <laughs> Yay! It was horrific to watch. Yeah. You're like, um, are you okay? Stop, don't do that. But it won first place. It's, it's so, like, shocking, and that's why it's good. Yeah. Because it's so out of left field. Why are you dressed like a pig? Why are you eating a green goo that we don't even know what it is? It's commitment to the bit. Like, in comedy, you if you commit to something, it works way better. Same deal with drag. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. As long as you commit to your idea, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I guess I should amend that. <laughs> if you're going to do something, commit to it. Don't wimp out halfway through. It may still be a bad idea, mm-hmm. but commit to it so that way you know I won't do that again. But still, you have to go full throw, full force into it before you know that you shouldn't have done that. I think like a in a weird way. So, as you know, like I really like metal music, and there is a band that I like where the singer is a different is a character than what he is in regular life like he wears a mask he's the satanic pope listeners probably have an idea of who it is it's the band ghost and there is a compilation of him as this character falling on the stage and he never breaks character i think at one point he they were touring with iron maiden and maiden had like a 
a hole in the stage that they were like they would like raise stuff out of and he fell into the hole oh my god and he was in severe pain and his head so you have the video of him he, he falls in he pops up so you can see him and the first thing he does is like pretends to fix his hair <laughs> he's like oh my gosh yeah cut and i was just like commitment <laughs> i would argue that that's a form of drag i think so too like i've seen one perf- one woman perform does a burlesque performance as him so she comes out in like pope robes and his like mask because it's just a mask that you can anyone can get and put on and then she like takes off the robes and she's wearing like a big sparkly dress and is basically like a not gender bend but gender bend version of him and of this character and it just looks really fun but it's very much it's very camp and he definitely plays that up and i do think that there's a lot of parts of metal like music especially like the glam metal culture that is very drag absolutely any form of like dressing up and and creating a character is at least a little bit part of drag yeah and i would love it if because um one of the things that one of the things that people that the rupaul's drag race does is like an impersonation challenge and i would love it if someone just did him (laughs) oh my gosh yeah those are so funny that's a whole other form of talent i can't do it yeah i don't know how people do it i don't know how they can make it funny oh yeah well, some people don't do it well. They aren't comedy queens, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do love um, when Trixie Mattel, who won RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 3, was the host. And every time the it was called Snatch Game, it was a spoof of Match Game, would come up, everyone would just look at her and go, yeah, you know, you would know about doing badly on that, wouldn't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> Wrong to that season. Oh, God. It was so bad. <laughs> it was bad, yeah. Yeah. But she came back on All Stars, and she, she did really well. She did. did. She, she won. She won. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Spoilers for RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars season three. One, season three. It came out five years um, ago. It's no longer <laughs> spoiler material. I'm pretty sure they've... All Stars 6. <laughs> I was going to say, if you haven't seen it or know it by now, then you won't be you're living it. under a rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's... Or you don't pay attention to drag culture, which is also fine. Maybe you'll get into it. I personally yeah. don't mind knowing who the winner is going to be because I don't. Like, competition is one thing and it's great, but at the same time, I watch it because I love the outfits and. I think that that is a whole new level of creativity that I can't do. There's something in drag for everyone, I swear. Yeah. Who do you think, like, uh, it's more of like a your opinion question, like, if you don't follow Drag Race that much, but who do you think, like, took their appearance on the show and turned it into the most success? Oh, Trixie and Katya. Absolutely Trixie and Katya. Yeah. I mean, Trixie Mattel now has her own hotel. Yes. Yeah. The Trixie Motel. <laughs> yeah, the Trixie Motel. And they had a TV show. They had a YouTube channel. They had, I think it was like a short film come out. At least Trixie had it, I believe. Yeah. Like a short film of some kind. I mean, they 
completely became like the duo of the century and continue to do a lot with their career. And um, I think they would have been very silly if Trixie didn't win because she had created so much out of what she had already that if she didn't win, then what the heck was the point of the show? You know, I, I think definitely they are huge contenders for that title. And I think uh, I would say like a probably close second to Trixie and Katya, because I do agree, would be Jinx Monsoon, because Jinx is like now almost become the ambassador of drag, like introducing people who might not know drag to showing up on other things, which I don't know how you'd be a fan of Broadway and not know what drag is, but uh, she's been on Broadway for Chicago and she's going to be on Doctor Who. And she was on Late Show with Seth Myers, all as Jinx. And I was like, this is probably, you know, for some people anyway, I don't know how, but like one of the few times you see a drag queen outside of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, absolutely. I think Jinx Monsoon is killing it. I absolutely agree that she is a, a very good second contender for that. You're right. One of the very few times where drag is introduced outside of the club scene or the TV uh, on RuPaul's Drag Race. I think it's a really, really good example of how drag can be very, very uh, multicultural. Multi, uh, how about adaptive? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Very adaptive in the way that it's presented on Broadway or movies or TV. She's doing incredible creative work flexible maybe like there's so many different facets to it so you each different medium will have a different set of focuses so if you're doing a lot more reality tv you're going to lean into what makes that what it is yes yeah in high school we did a brief section on semiotics the medium is the message the message is the medium so i know just enough to be wildly insufferable about (laughs) this sort of thing yeah exactly the the type that I'm looking for, yeah. Yeah, just just enough to be like, I brushed past this 15 years ago. It's great. <laughs> I, anyway. Yeah. And I think, like, kind of that whole idea of Jinx bringing a drag persona outside of RuPaul's Drag Race and showing how it can be changed and used in different m- mediums, even though it is all TV or it's plays, etc., is... And another way also is like um, the one thing that comes to mind is bringing ideas forward that people should be aware of that they might not think about all the time. So like um, bringing up Simone again, she did a couple like she did at least one Black Lives Matter runway look, which I thought was really smart and really well done. And then I think the other one that comes to mind is recently because there's been a there's a lot of drag race offshoots. This one actually made me like go and do research because I was curious because Drag Race Philippines had a very powerful like lip sync. So if listeners don't know how the show works is the bottom two queens typically will lip sync to a song because what one thing all drag queens should be able to do and do well is lip sync. Uh, to songs because they're performers first and foremost, I would say. And these were two queens who were both transgender, male to female, and they freaking killed it. And it was like 
they were showing, like they were taking, they took off their dresses and they're wearing, they're like just showing their bodies as they, as they're, you know, being like, they're trans women, but they're women. And they pull and their wigs are coming off and they have like their natural hair and like everyone is sobbing. Like all the queens in the back are crying and like the judges are crying. <laughs> it was mm. so powerful. And I'm like, what is like like the state of gay rights in the Philippines be- that's eliciting this much of a response? I think a lot of the things that they do with drag, like one of my main purposes of doing drag is to create awareness for those type of things. And I think those topics can be very powerful to especially LGBT people who uh, experience the same situations. So I, I can agree with that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of really powerful performances I've seen, you know, bring up issues like whether they are LGBT related, I think another really well-known one would be Jackie Cox, who is um, Middle Eastern descent. And it was a red, white, and blue themed runway. And she freaking killed it. Like she showed up, she wore a, she wore like a, a Middle Eastern style outfit. And, you know, to, you know, represent her roots, it was red, white, and blue colored. She's like, I'm proud to be, you know, a citizen in North America. I'm proud of my roots. And she performed this song and like gave her heart out. And like, because it was this whole idea of you're dressing up as something that is not native to the United States. Do you really feel like you belong here? I feel like the consensus, like the question was, and she's like, I do. And she proved it. And, like, it was a very powerful, like, performance as well. Yes, it was. I saw that, and it was very gorgeous. Yeah. It really is amazing, just, like, it's, it's, they're not singing. Like, you know, it, they're just mouthing the words. However, to convey that amount, much emotion shows just how good a drag queen can be as a performer. Yeah. yeah. Purveying that, uh, that emotion and... To such a capacity is um, definitely one of the main things that a drag queen needs to be able to do is tell that story. And a lot of them do it very, very well. And you do too. <laughs> Aww, I, I totally believe. I try. I try. I, I think there are a, a couple numbers where there's one that I bring back quite often because it means a lot to me. It's called The Village. It's a song about uh, either being gay or, or transgender. And basically, I shed uh, my drag layers as the the number goes on. And I have, like, a little book of, like, photos of me as a child. And, like, I'm dancing with the book as I'm shedding these layers and being able to convey that story to people and have people kind of understand it and feel it with me is, is a very powerful experience. And I think that's one of the reasons why drag is so popular amongst people and such a powerful form of expression is because we go through these traumatic experiences and we go through these things together and um, it's a way to kind of therapize that in a way. Yeah. Work through what you've gone through in a way that gives you more of those guardrails. Through art, yeah. So, so, so deeply important 
Yeah. Yeah, it's wild and it's so cool that people have that ability to have that deep connection and to be able to build that with some random person who's going to their first show or has been to thousands of shows. Still being able to make that connection with people is really, really powerful. Yeah. yeah. One, One of the things, things that, that um, drag is going through right now is a lot of the open stages are closing. And yeah. if anyone doesn't know what an open stage is, it means anybody, literally anybody, can sign up and perform. Uh, within the parameters of the rules, you can sign up with a USB drive and show up and perform. Oh, okay. It's a very powerful form of expression for anyone. Literally anybody can show up and, and perform. So with them closing down, there's less and less of an opportunity for people to, to do that and to get their art out if they're not getting booked for gigs. Mm-hmm. Right. So... We've been trying to, at least in like the Providence area, bring back a lot of the open stages because they were closed due to COVID and things like that. And um, we've been trying really, really hard to get them back. So if you ever have the opportunity or you find one somewhere, go to an open stage. And a lot of times there are some extremely, extremely talented performers just trying to make a couple bucks during the week. And you can find some really great performances there. Yeah, that's really great. Like, thanks for mentioning that. That's, um, I think, really important to share. You never realize how much something is, you know, needed until it's until it's suddenly gone. And, you know, COVID hit so many performing arts venues really hard. It takes one generation for something to go from this is what we do to it's gone. Like, there are languages that will not be spoken in the next 10 years because there was a missing generation and a lot of local places are in that same boat. There is a reason that we harp on go support local artists, go support local businesses, because once they're gone, it's incredibly hard to start them back up. Absolutely. Having that open stage means that you actually get people who might be interested actually coming in and trying it. And that's also so so critical because there isn't necessarily that anywhere else like mitch you've you've mentioned that that it's hard to find that yeah and like you can you can find it in in any capacity people just starting out and like going to these shows and seeing these people express themselves in this way and being like you know what i might be able to do that and then you bring more people into this incredible art form and being able to express themselves and and find themselves through this art which is so so important yeah our takeaway if i may sum up real quick drag is awesome go support your local drag shows i guess is there is there a term for like a place that does drag other than theater I think drag is mostly performed in clubs. I think okay. you can find like theaters that might do like a drag night or something like that, but they don't need your help as much as clubs right. do and uh, places where LGBT people can be themselves. So support local clubs, support open stages, support local drag artists. They need your help for sure. And uh, definitely do it if you see this art form and whether you view it, on the rea- on reality TV, see, and you're like, this looks really cool. Please, like we keep saying, try to see it locally. Tip your queens. <laughs> Please tip your queens. Tip your kings. Yes, yeah. agreed. 
And I think that will wrap it up for this episode. Mitch, again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on. It is always a joy and a pleasure to talk to you. You're our first repeat guest, and I am so, so glad that you've agreed to come back. It's been just a lovely time. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I had a blast again. Anytime, anytime. Yeah. We will probably take you up on that yeah. because, again, we love talking to you. You're an amazing guest, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you guys are sweet. I've had a blast. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Have a good night. Tip your queens. Tip your kings. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.